0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,327.
1: As soon as you stop being 21 years old, you'll start to learn.
0: This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello automotive enthusiasts, I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from Torrance, California, Kurt Hooker. Hey Kurt, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Always. Always, that's right. Kurt Hooker recently retired after 50 years helping build the Edelbrock Company in Los Angeles, California. I had the pleasure of meeting Kurt while shooting an episode of my Cars Yacht TV show. Kurt was in charge of developing and testing performance products for the company. A lifelong automotive enthusiast who loves wrenching on cars and going fast. For six years, he raced his 1968 Chevelle Superstock Racer, winning numerous bracket races on Wednesdays and Saturday nights. From there, he ran an AED front end dragster and set a national record at 7.8 seconds, going 180 miles an hour back in 1977 and 1978. Kurt and his wife, Teresa, have been married for 41 years. Congratulations and their two sons have followed in their dad's footsteps, loving cars, and his 11-year-old son races a mini boat, which is pretty cool. So, Kurt, I've told our listeners a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more before I jump into the questions about your career and your passion, which continues to this day in retirement for automobiles?
1: I sure will, Mark. Uh, Thanks for asking for the interview. You bet. My passion probably started when uh, my dad came home one day and was putting a number on the side of a, our family, Volvo, to go race it at Ascot Speedway. And my my mom stopped them from doing that. She says, no way we're going to take our only car out there and wreck it at, at Ascot Speedway. So, so that never happened. But anyhow, I was about eight, eight or nine years old at the time. And uh, I've always helped my dad work on cars. And he did all the mechanical work on our cars at home and everything. And enjoyed it. And I grew up with that passion. and one day, my grandmother was babysitting uh, Vic Edelbrock's kids. She did that all the time. And she told him, I have a grandson that really loves auto racing. And Vic said, send him down, I'll get him a job. And the summer of June of 1969, I went down there. He put me to work, and then the rest is history.
0: You never went home.
1: you well, know, Almost.
0: Almost. You know, it's such a great story, Kurt, because when I got to meet you, when I was there uh, with Don uh, Berry and all the great people that I met when I was at Edelbrock, i tell you what blew me away about that company. And I've known the company forever. I, I knew Vic back in the day when he was still with us and his daughters. I talked to them at many vintage races when I was vintage racing. And they were there with the uh, famous Edelbrock cars. And what struck me, and that's why I wanted to have you on the TV show and now the podcast, was, I mean, here's a guy that started when he was a kid, basically spent 50 years at a company. That's a pretty rare thing. And before I jump into the questions, you know, most people would say, why did you stay at the same place for 50 years? I know you did a lot of different things. You grew up through the company. You became very, very skilled and accredited at what you did. But I have to ask you that question. Why did you stay at Edelbrock all those years?
1: Um, Just for um, the the love and the passion of the automobile. I've always enjoyed working on cars and uh, I wanted to get back into the dining room where they tested and developed all the parts. You know, didn't want to be out in the machine shop all the time, so I worked hard to, to get there. But I enjoyed every step of it. It was a great place to work for. Dick made you feel like part of the family, and I, I just enjoyed it. Enjoyed the heck out of
0: it. You know, you're a very fortunate guy, and I think you're a very smart guy because uh, so many people go through life working at jobs that they just don't really like. They might be well-paying and they might be well-meaning, but there's no passion in the job and they live for Friday nights and weekends. But you're a guy, having met you, that figured out the secret sauce to life very, very early and you wrapped that passion for cars into a career that went for a long, long way. So kudos to you and kudos to Edelbrock for giving you the opportunities. Uh It wasn't like they gave it to you, though. I'm sure you worked very hard to work your way through your career path there, but I think it's pretty cool. And now you're benefiting from your all your hard work. You're at home. You're getting to play with your kids and your grandkids too, right?
1: Absolutely, yes. I got four grandkids now, and uh, if I don't see them at least once a week, I go through a stroll.
0: Your life is just continuing on a very positive path. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah, in your case, smoking. Because I know you like to go fast and burn up some rubber. So, Kurt, take the wheel.
1: Probably one of the best things I've heard a quote from uh, was one of the guys I worked with, Murray Jensen, back in the dyno room. I was a young kid then and made a lot of mistakes here and there. And he told me one quote, he said, as soon as you stop being 21 years old, you'll start to learn. And it took me a while to to learn that, a week or two. And I I finally figured out, you know, I just got to sit back and listen to some of these older guys and let them teach me and, and tell me, you know, just, I just, I thought I had the world captured, you know, I mean, here I am a great job, great place. You know, I'm young and, and what else, you know, I've got, I've got it, man. It's done. But boy, I learned along real fast. That it didn't work out that way. But Martin Jensen was a great teacher.
0: You know, you mentioned him when I was there and I'll let our listeners know that Kurt, I had a lot of fun with Kurt at Edelbrock because, He took me on the dyno. There was a big block in there. He let me rev that thing up and watch how the dyno worked. And I mean, it was so interesting to me. I'd only seen a couple dynos before and you were great at explaining it to me and, and realizing the sincerity that Edelbrock takes at performance and really testing, developing every single product to make sure it's perfect. So when it gets on your car, it works as expected. So thank you again for letting me come into your dyno room and and play with your dyno. That was that was pretty darn cool. Uh, anytime. Well, let's go back in time. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated the passion you had for cars. You mentioned that great story about your dad wanting to race the family Volvo. Thankfully, your mom uh, spared the family car from what could have been a disaster. That's a hilarious story. But is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were indeed a car guy just like your dad?
1: Probably my dad took me the before uh you know, you could get the Indianapolis 500 and, and me There was a theater in Redondo Beach that had closed circuit TV, and you could you could go there and watch the Indy 500. You know, uh, right there on the big screen TV. He took me there a couple times, and then I just knew that I, I just loved cars and watch them go around, and go so fast, and and I started seeing cars around town, older cars and fixed up, and you know, even newer cars. You know mag wheels and things and the, the heart wanted it you know and they always say the heart wants what the heart wants you know and i just always had the passion for the car i just loved going fast
0: <laughs> <laughs> well obviously you did i mean going as fast as you did back in the day with the racing you did in the drag racing you know kurt for a guy like you and me we've been around for a while and uh we don't take some things for granted that maybe younger people do these days I want some of you younger listeners to stop and think about that. To watch the Indy five hundred, he had to go to a theater and watch it on closed circuit television. I'm sure that big screen probably wasn't that big, but if you think about now we walk around with these little devices in our pockets and we can watch anything live streamed right on our phone. I mean, could you ever imagine back in the day that something like that would exist?
1: Oh no, not at all. Not at all. Like,
0: yeah.
1: like nowadays when you're working on a car, I mean what back in the old days you had to like almost Do by mistake, no trial and error kind of thing. And nowadays, uh, you just put it off on YouTube and tells you how to do it and off
0: you go. Oh, I know. It's absolutely fantastic. I was cooking some dinner last night and pulled up a YouTube recipe page and just uh, put my phone on the counter and made dinner and watched. And, you know, it's just, I I had to kind of stop for a minute and go, man, this is so cool. Would have had to pull a, a book out, try to find the recipe, read the recipe. And now I can just watch somebody do it. It's so much faster and better. So, Yeah, we're living in a magical time. Well, Kurt, I want you to talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you faced along the way in your career. No doubt you had some of these things happen along the way. I would love for you to kind of talk about one and then tell us how that experience taught you something so you could learn and go forward and gain even more momentum in your career and your business.
1: Well, my my biggest challenge, I think, was uh, I wanted to succeed. That was, I think, was my hardest thing because I started out by working on a burr bench at Elbrock, you know, and then, you know, boxing manifolds and boxing kits and putting things there, making instruction sheets and doing things like that. But always in the back corner was the dining room and the roar of those engines. And I figured out how, how am I going to get there? You know, what am I going to do to get in that dining room? I just worked hard and tried to show Vic that I, I had the passion and I wanted to get in there and the drive and. You know, if they asked me to work a little overtime, and you know, that's absolutely. I was always early at work. I mean, just put the, put the foot forward and tried to show them, you know, the value of me to the company. And I always kept, did always used to do tours and said, um, Kurt used to always sweep the sweep the floors and sweep right back to the diner room. And, you know, that was something that stuck with him. He, You know, he, he saw that and saw that I wanted to get in there. But the dining room area out front of that was the cleanest spot in the whole building. I, I swept that floor every day, day. So but it worked. You know, it got me where I wanted to go. But you just got to have a passion and desire to do what you want to do.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the key I, thing I hear is work hard. And lots of times uh, you work with people and they're there for three months, six months, and they think they should automatically be promoted or advanced to the next level and I would assume that didn't take three or six months. I mean, you had to prove your worth by consistency and persistence. And you said a few things that stuck with me that my dad taught me, and that is get to work early, stay late. If the boss needs you to stay and do things, you do it. Uh If you have to stay after, if you have to come in on the weekend, because that shows him. And if your boss is your customer, same kind of person, you do the extra things for them, too. And eventually, you'll get what you want. It just takes time, tenacity, and hard work. That's all. And it it will take time. But you need to be patient and prove your worth. And that will happen. It happened to Kurt. It's happened to me. It's happened to 1,300-plus people before you here on Cars. Yeah. Let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle. You had some cool cars back in the day. You raced those cars. If you could pick one that was kind of the first one that had great meaning for you and maybe share a memory you have about that fast ride.
1: Oh, my, my first ride was a 1965 Chevy Impala. That's a, so I bought from a friend of my dad. And I saved up money after, you know, working at bank. I rode my bike there to work, you know, it was five miles. And got rides with people that work there close every now and then. But I finally got my first car. And, uh, it was at Impala. And I worked, ran it for a while with a 327, and I just said, this just isn't enough power. So I, with the help of a friend of mine, Joe Sherman, who worked at Elbrock also. We built a 396 for it. Popped that in there with a power glide and put some 330 gears in it. And I took it to Lion's Drag Strip for the first time after we did that. and uh, I, I won the 13 flat to 1350 bracket, the very first time out at Lion's Drag Strip. I, I still have the trophy for that. And that was uh, back in 1970, I think it was. It, it was pretty special. I thought, man, there's nothing to this racing deal. you know? Well, it. Was, <laughs> I learned quick, you know, there was a lot more to it than just that first outing.
0: Yeah, beginner's luck in a sense, but I think that's pretty cool. But that kind of bit you because you went on to race uh, your Chevelle. You went on to race dragsters too, right?
1: Right. And my friend in dragster was probably a lot of fun. I I enjoyed that one, numerous divisional races. I almost won the championship if I, pardon the phrase, eat the bologna sandwich on the starting line. I was a little late. You know, I had Uh the the guy covered to win Win the championship, but you know I won the Bakersfield Fuel and Gas Championship. That so was a 32 car field. And that was probably one of my special events with that car.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know when I was there uh shooting the Carsyad TV show, you showed me some pictures of that dragster uh that were there in your office space. So uh yeah, very very cool. 180 miles an hour. Oh my gosh, that's fast.
1: Yeah, that was that was pretty quick back then for a little single four barrel on top of big block Chevrolet engine, and it was a. Uh, it
0: was it was it was a lot of fun. Well, that's fast today too. I mean, that's, that's you start getting over one hundred, hundred twenty in, in any vehicle, and things start to happen really, really quick. I mean, oh, yeah. you got to be spot on.
1: Well, at the end of the track, I was always happy to feel that parachute come out. It always always is rather nice.
0: I'll bet. Yeah, I'll bet. And I, well, I can only imagine. I've never been in a dragster like that, but I've been to many drag races and. It always blows me away at the speed and how fast those cars go, and I just the the feeling must be insane. I've had a lot of drag racers on the show, including, of course, uh, the great Don Garlitz, and uh, that guy's been been down a straightaway a quarter mile many many times oh, for many, sure, many many times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How about Silver Shamore?s Is there a vehicle that you have had in your past that you really wish you had back to this day?
1: Oh gosh, probably all three of my am Seville and Dragster. Probably I would like to have my Impala back. I didn't have it that long as the other cars, but I could drive that around on the street today, and um, it would really fit with today's image because it's a '65 Impala. It would be a lot of fun to take it to shows and and, j- and just show it off. It was really a nice car, and I, I enjoyed that thing.
0: Yeah, I love those cars. They look really cool. Well, I always ask my guests at this point in the talk, uh, what has you excited and fired up today? But I want to go back a little bit. And talk about your final years there working for Edelbrock and some of the things that you did there. Because what, what completely amazed me about Edelbrock the day that I spent with you guys shooting that TV show was the enormity and the magnitude of the product that you guys were putting out. Uh, the quality of the product that you're putting out and the fact that you're still producing superchargers and carburetors primarily amongst other things, and a lot of OEM work there. So tell our listeners a little bit about what those final years were like and what you were doing there at Edelbrock, and then we can kind of dive into what does it look like for a guy that's spent 50 years at an iconic brand who's now at home uh, enjoying the rewards of all his hard labor. But let's go back in time first, okay?
1: Oh, sure. Uh, we go back when I was in the dining room, in around the mid 1980s, uh, Murray Jensen, who was in charge of the dining room at the time, asked Vic to bring me into the dining room because he needed help. Said, so, "How about that kid up in the kit department? He seems to be a hard worker and knows what he's doing." And they they took a chance and brought me in the dining room. And there again, worked hard. And, but Murray decided to retire, and Vic put his faith in me. And Kurt, we're going to make you in charge of the dining room. Wow, I was I was kind of still kind of young then, and. Uh, it's just, God, this is going to be a big challenge, you know, so, uh, but I always fell back on the words of Murray, you know, just trust, you know, trust what you do, and always go for the truth, work hard, and and test the products, and make sure they're right, he said, uh, if, the, if the number comes up bad, the number comes up bad, you just got to, you know, make the change to make it right, but, you know, just, just enjoy the thrill of making a product, like Vic always said, that, that proven performance, you always like that, you know, and, that was one of his big kicks because everything was tested, everything from cylinder heads, camshafts. I mean, even a our thermostat housing. He wanted to make sure it just bolted up and sealed. i just, you know, just uh, made sure anything on our name ran across the line.
0: Let me let me ask you this. I know that the Edelbrock family has sold the brand, and Don Barry, who was uh, on the TV show with me, is in the, at the helm now. But I'd love for you to share a little bit. Everyone I talked to about Vic, in fact, I even had him scheduled to be on the show before we lost him when I was first starting the show. Um, I talked to his daughter, Christy, about getting him on the show. He was so busy, though, even up to the end of his life. I mean, the guy was just always working. But tell me a little bit about what it was like to work with Vic Edelbrock.
1: Uh, it was cool. I mean, it was, uh, it was fun. It had its ups and downs. I mean, uh, Vic was a very caring man. He had a passion for anybody that worked for him. And her family, like Vic, uh, he adored my family. My two kids, uh, my two sons, actually worked there at Edelbrock for many years—fifteen and almost twenty years, both of them. Uh, my wow. yo- my youngest son just recently left Edelbrock and went to uh, another career with a in sales, and that's where he worked at Edelbrock in sales. My older son, he uh, worked there in the dining room with me. He went on a career in law enforcement, which he's been there for what, almost fourteen years then. And and he's happy doing that. But that's what Vic was. He cared for him. He cared for everybody that worked for him. And he helped you in any way that he possibly could. And he had a hard goal, but yet Vic was a businessman. He did something wrong that he didn't approve of. He he told you. He let you know. Yeah,
0: of course. You know,
1: know, we always had a thermometer on Vic. You know, if he was talking to you and his face got red and his eyes started blinking, you're you're still in the ballpark, you know, but. If he closed his eyes and he's talking to you, it was time to zip it, take it, and go. Yes, sir. No, sir. I mean, he was yeah. giving, <laughs> he was getting this point across whether you want it or not. But then, thirty minutes later, you turn around and say, "Okay, where are we going for lunch?" You know, he, yeah. he strictly that way. He was the nicest guy in the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've heard so many great things about him. I had the fortune of meeting him a few times at racetracks, and uh, he was always very kind. Took a moment to shake a hand and smile. And uh, I just know that uh, I mean the guy. Taking over from his dad, you know, his father passed away, as you know, at a young age. And so Vic kind of jumped in there and, you know, took the the business by the horns and just built an incredible business. I mean, I don't think there's anybody in the car world that doesn't know the name Edelbrock and what it stands for. And just for me, walking through that building and the stories that you're telling now of the family-ness of him and how he cared for people and the fact that your family worked there, it reminds me a lot of... uh, a sponsor I have here, Covercraft, I was just at their facility shooting a TV show, and very much the same way, I met one of the young people working there. He was in his 30s, and he, I said, how long have you been here? And he said, since before I was born. And I said, what? And he goes, my mom was working here pregnant with me. I've literally <laughs> been here since before I was born. Oh, no, and he I know. Isn't that crazy? But that's the way those kind of old school businesses are. So I think that's great. And uh, by the way, kudos and a shout out to your son for working in law enforcement. First responders near and dear to my heart. Thank you for his service and uh, for you guys, too, because, you know, he's part of the family. So that's fantastic. Well, let me tell let me ask you a little bit about what is Kurt doing today? What does the guy who spent his whole life working in the car world do for fun in retirement?
1: Uh still working on cars. I've i <laughs> years ago I purchased a uh, Brookville uh thirty two roadster, a rolling chassis from that. And I've been in a garage working on it and I'm putting a three fifty one Windsor Ford in it and uh putting a Ford in a Ford. I I didn't want to build a roadster with another small walk Chevrolet, in it, like everybody else said. So that's what I wanna do and I promise myself I'm gonna finish that thing this year and put all the time and devotion into that and, and spend more time with my grandkids, pick them up from school, and things like that. And my main focus now is my roadster. I want to get my hot rod done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've no doubt that you will. I know they did something pretty special for you when you left Edelbrock. Why don't you tell me about that?
1: Well, a couple things. Uh, when I retired, one of the big honors when you said said that you could see the Kurt Hooger legacy at Edelbrock was they dedicated the dining room in my name, and that was quite an honor. So. The Edelbrock-Kurt Hooker Dino Room, that was that was really, that was a heart-wrenching blow to me, I'll tell you. Um, and then if any of your listeners want to take a tour of Edelbrock, all they got to do is call up and arrange it. And they'll, they'll give them a tour of the engineering room, the dino room, and manufacturing whenever they're in the area. I mean, Vic has always believed in that. He gave tours to anybody and everybody that wanted to take a tour.
0: I think this is great, and again, it's a testament to somebody who's worked his whole life in a field he's passionate about and loves. That's cars, and in retirement, he's doing the same thing. So there you go. There's the secret sauce to life. Well, Kurt, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks. And their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark, a Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. at CarsYeah.com Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Carjia yeah! TV show, it's a weekly visit to some of my past Carjia yeah! podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Carjia yeah! TV is making its mark. Carjia yeah! TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV, Fubo TV, FiOS by Verizon, or you can stream it through. Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, Kurt, we are back and I have a very introspective question for you. If you were a vehicle, you woke up tomorrow and you were a car parked in your garage, what would, Kurt, be and why?
1: You know, I was at dinner the other night with Ron Shaver of Shaver Racing. And we talked about, I, I told him I was doing this interview and I told him about this question. And, it, and we both said the same thing. A 1970s chevelle ss454 that car was just when it hit the street it was just raw muscle it was just you know, it was good looking it was quick it just showed authority whenever you pulled up to the stoplight and put a little cam in that thing and it was rumbling there at the stoplight i think mean, it was just and i think that was the stepping gate to the real big muscle air cars you know and the and all that stuff came out i mean it was just yeah. the raw muscle and speed
0: yeah, very cool. I like it. I can see that. Yep, definitely. That's you, Kurt. Well, we are entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions here and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of that Chevelle throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Best automotive advice? Uh,
1: trust your instincts and, and follow your uh, your own uh, common sense. Um, and but never try to rush through it. Just take your time and do it right. Do it right the first time. Like Bobby Meeks always said, he said, well, let's hurry up and screw up the first one so we can do the second one right.
0: <laughs> yeah, words of wisdom right there. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years?
1: My passion for doing things right, and uh, uh, I was talking to my wife earlier, and she says she should tell me about the neatness of my toolbox. I got all my mm. tools laid out in the drawer. My tools are always put away clean, and every wrench is laying there in order, and one of my biggest, I don't know if it's a fetish or not, but I, I, I've always kept my toolbox straight and
0: clean. You know, I, I, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm kind of a neat freak too, but I've always said that that way you know exactly where everything is and putting things away at the end of the day instead of leaving them a mess. I've been in some shops, mechanic shops, restoration shops, where things are just scattered everywhere, and you just kind of go, um, yeah. well, "If this is how you treat your own stuff. How are you treating the cars you're restoring? <laughs> you know, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how people work that way. My
1: grandson, Luke, would come over and I'd pull up the wrench drawer and they'd all be in order but one would be missing. i go, Luke's been in the toolbox. I could tell.
0: Busted. How about a resource that you find uh, really helpful these days? Is there one you'd share with us?
1: A resource? Uh, you mean like
0: I don't yeah. I mean, uh, Well, it could be a website. Yeah, it could be a business. could be a supplier. could be an app. You use a blog you like to, to read or see? Uh, no,
1: I don't usually uh, go on the blogs or anything, but Put up resources, people go on the edelbrock.com thing, and if they want to learn anything about carburetors or um, learn on how to rebuild them, repair them, they got all the videos and everything right on there to help you get through carburetors, installing cans and heads and manifolds and all that stuff like that. So it's it's pretty helpful, I'd say, the Edelbrock website. It's real helpful in, in the automotive
0: industry, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of great things there. Now, if I could arrange for you to sit down and have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be?
1: Oh, I, I read that question. I thought oh, this, It's a tough one. There's so many guys I've, I've met in the automotive. But I still have to fall back on. Uh, it would be Vic Adelbrock because when he passed, I really didn't get to honestly tell him uh, thank you and for my for whatever he did for me and for whatever he did for my family. A true heartfelt thank you, I think, would really. Really mean a lot to me and a lot to him. Like when I retired, I went up and I told Vic's wife Nancy that I was retiring from the company after fifty years, and she said that was okay. She said that that was just fine, and um, Vic would be okay with it. So
0: you know, your your words uh, ring true. Um, I just I've I've lost about six or seven people who've been on my show now that I've been doing this for five years. The most recent was Barry McGuire's daughter, just recently passed away, Nicole. And she was a she was a guest of my show, a friend. I uh, saw her at many events and SEMA every year. And what you just said is an important lesson for all of us. If there's somebody special in your life, take a moment and thank them today because they might not be here tomorrow. You might not be here tomorrow to thank them. Take the time, your family. Tell them you love them. Uh, life is fleeting. Life is short. And with this social media world we live in, I mean, every day. Somebody who follows me loses someone in their life. And it's just uh life is fleeting. So take that moment in time. Now, Kurt, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy reading? Oh yeah, hands down it'd be The Christmas
1: Legacy by Tom Madigan. Oh, yeah. It's a story of Art Christman, his career, his life, you know. Um Art was he was one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. He's long one of the guys you like to sit and have a drink with also. But he was a gentleman racer. I've, I've heard so many good stories about him. I worked with him uh, through projects at Edelbrock and run uh, into our racetracks. And always, he always had a handshake and a nice smile for you. He was just a yeah. gentleman guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these great resources that Kurt has shared on his Car yeah show notes page. Just go to com, type in Kurt Hooker, and that all that information will pop right up. All right, Kurt. We are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy, but it's a fun one, especially for a guy who has some time to have some fun with cars now that you're retired. I'm going to buy you a cool collector car today. Anything on the planet, doesn't matter who owns it or where it is, I'm going to park it in your garage, but there's a couple rules to this game. One is you can't sell it to buy your grandkids a bunch of toys. You have to drive it. No garage queens allowed here. And it's the only cool collector car you can park in your garage, so choose wisely. Just
1: wisely. I would say it would be a 67 SS Chevelle. I've always liked the looks of that car, four-speed car. I think by the time my grandkids go to high school, if I let them borrow the car and drive to school one day, they would, they'd be the hit of the school.
0: No doubt. Yeah, no doubt for sure. Well, Chevelles are just so cool to start with, and an SS, of course, and a 67, one of the best years, I think. What color would you like that Chevelle to be?
1: I'm a blue man. I like blue. Uh, nothing against red. I've seen enough red cars to last me a lifetime. Uh, yeah. Working at Edelbrock, you know, everything was red. But yeah. I, I've always liked the color blue.
0: Oh, yeah. Maybe with some white stripes?
1: Oh, uh, Possibly.
0: Make it go fast. Possibly. Okay. Oh, there you go. Absolutely. Well, Kurt, you've taken me on a great ride today. I appreciate you taking some time out of your busy retirement schedule with the grandkids and the family to spend some time with me. I can't tell you how much fun it was to spend that day with you at Edelbrock, getting to uh, use the dyno, learn all about it. It was a spectacularly fun day for me. For you listeners, uh, if you miss that episode, you can go back and see it on MAV-TV or stream it on Lucas Oil Racing Television, uh, our episode with Edelbrock. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. A new journey in life is just beginning for you with retirement. Could you offer us a little parting piece of Elderly wisdom and guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that 67 SS Chevelle.
1: Uh, I would say um, follow your passion, do what you want, and uh, have fun at it. If you're not having fun, uh, it's not worth doing. And just trust your own instincts and don't lose sight of common sense.
0: Absolutely. Wise words from a guy who's been there and done that. And I know usually I ask people how people can get a hold of you, but in retirement, I would assume you don't want people bugging you. So I'm saying maybe just go to edelbrock.com. Check out the company if you haven't been there before. If you want to see some cool things, you will find some cool things. No doubt some of Kurt's legacy still runs through that building's veins, no doubt, having been there for 50 years. Kurt, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with my Car Show listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: You got it. Thank you very much, R. Really appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Member Finra Sipik. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Carsia. Yeah. Drive on over to Carsia.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun.